welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Punch It, episode 71. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan! I have a confession to make. Lay it on me. I am really excited about what we are going to do today, but I'm also a little bit apprehensive because we're doing a rewrite. We've done this many times before, but we're putting a little twist on it this time because Mm -hmm. you just randomly went out and you picked an episode and this is not necessarily an episode that needs a rewrite but we're gonna punch it up anyway yeah that kind of goes against our nature our coda our our method whatever you want to call it it's something that we started way back in our previous show where we would only do middle of the road episodes we wouldn't do something horrible we wouldn't do something great just middle of the road. But this episode is revered as a good episode. And I can't say that it's one of my personal favorites, but I definitely recognize it as one that people very much enjoy. And this is like deeply rooted in the emotion of the character that it focuses on. And it reveals a lot of backstory. So we kind of have to tread lightly. But the episode that we're going to be talking about today, if you haven't noticed it in the show notes or the title, (laughs) this is Star Trek The Next Generation's Brothers. Well, and the way that we came to this episode was kind of interesting. You just kind of did a flip a coin, essentially, right? (laughs) Well, it was a method that actually I stole from uh, Enterprise Extra on Twitter, Jim Morehouse. He, Whenever he wants to watch an episode at random, he will go on his phone and he has the Memory Alpha app for Star Trek. And there's a way to hit the button that is a random button. It'll give you a random article. And so what he does is, like, if it shows you the Breen, like the the article on the Breen, you're supposed to pick a Breen episode. Or maybe it's the first time that the Breen were introduced, and that's the episode you watch. So I did it, and Noonien Soon came up. And so I was like, okay, Ah. let's rewrite the episode, Brothers. This is the only episode where he showed up in real life, where it wasn't a hologram, he wasn't a flashback, he wasn't a memory, there wasn't a dream. He is Soon in the flesh in this episode. And so I thought it only fair to adhere to uh, Enterprise Extra's rules is that this is the episode Mm -hmm. that we would rewrite. And uh, this one is going to be tough because there's a lot of emotions and there's a lot of baggage and there's a lot of history in it. And we have to kind of, like I said before, tread lightly on what we change. When you threw this one out here as the choice, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be difficult. (laughs) And I had not watched this episode in a long time. So I rewatched it last night. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, what are we possibly going to change? This is not an exceptionally good episode, but it is by far and away not a bad episode either. It's pretty solid. So we always say we're going to punch things up. But as we build this, as we build ideas for how we might change this episode and potentially make it better, I think we're going to be doing a lot of punching before we get to (laughs) punching up. (laughs) It's true. This is going to be exploratory because neither of us know what we're going to do or where we're going to go. No, we're going to build it together. Exactly. This is an on-the-fly scenario where we didn't go ahead of time and like write down an outline and then present it to you guys. No, this is, let's rewrite Brothers. Okay, we didn't think about it until right, in, right now 
in front of the mics in front of you guys. But before we get into that, we do have a little business to take care of. So as you guys know, if you've been listening for the past couple of episodes, we are doing a GoFundMe. And uh, you can find out all this information at GoFundMe.com slash The Nerd Party. This isn't just casual fundraising or anything like that. Sadly, it's because of a crap situation that has happened to the network. We got hit with a legal claim, and we think it's a horrible situation. We think it's unjust, and so we are trying to do what we can to fight it and fight back because not everybody can. Not everybody has the resources to fight back, and we're we're in that situation. We don't have the resources to fight back, and... That's one of the crap situations in our legal system is that like you have to have the resources to fight back. And so we're trying to raise $8,100 and we're at a fourth of our way to the goal and we're only going to be going for another week. So this is our last ditch effort kind of to raise as much as we can. Our final push. The closer we get, the better off we are. Very much so. So please, if you can donate by going to gofundme.com slash the nerd party if you want to find out more about this situation sadly we can't reveal too much because it's an ongoing legal situation but there is a video of me explaining myself as well as a transcription for those of you who who are hard of hearing and whatever we don't raise has to come out of my personal finances which is another layer of of (laughs) that's another level of suckage right there yes because ultimately you're the one who's responsible We've had people give $5, $10. We've had people give hundreds of dollars. And so anything that you could possibly give. Yeah, even $1. Yes, absolutely. You know, if everybody listening gave $1, we could get that much closer to the goal. We very much could. But yes, if everybody listening gave $1, we'd be set. We'd be fine. (laughs) So yes, if you guys could. And please spread the word. If you go on our Twitter, if you go on our Facebook, it's the first post of there, it's it's pinned up there, so it's the first thing you see. Share that, retweet that, put it on your Facebook, give it in your Facebook groups, talk to your family, talk to your friends. Anything could help. And if you can, use the hashtag TNP Fight. And if you don't want to use GoFundMe, you can go to PayPal at paypal.me slash the nerd party. Again, that's paypal.me slash the nerd party. But let's go ahead and talk about brothers. Okay, let's start punching brothers. <laughs> Maybe that's the episode title, Punching Brothers. Punching Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think at times maybe uh, Lauren Data wanted to duke it out a little bit in this episode. So for those who maybe have not seen this episode in a little while, do you have a synopsis handy to refresh everybody? Yes, I have a, a real quick one in front of me and we'll expand a little bit beyond that. After an accident aboard the Enterprise leaves one of its children in grave danger, Data commandeers the Enterprise driven to take him to an unknown origin where an interesting figure awaits. That is very vague. and so It is. With, that's a Netflix synopsis right there. That's, that's pretty much what that feels like. So that unknown figure is Dr. Noonien Soong. That's right, the Dr. Noonien Soong. And he sent out a homing beacon to bring Data home and Data is he cannot control himself. Like he is put on autopilot and he puts his crew and the, and the, the ship in danger, commandeers it, uses Picard's voice to block everybody out. They have to run to engineering. Just a crazy, crazy craziness. And so he actually gets to this planet where Soong is waiting for him. And Data's just like, what the hell, Dad? I thought you were dead. And <laughs> they start to reminisce about the old times and uh, they start to bond. But then uh, lo and behold, Lore comes out of nowhere and says, ha ha, I'm going to ruin things. And so all of a sudden it's the three of them and the truth about Data's past gets out where Data was not the imperfect model and made before Lore. Lore was actually the imperfect model and dismantled and then he made Data. And that's a huge revelation for Data. And all the while, 
the Enterprise crew is trying to regain access to the Enterprise so that they can leave because they have a sick boy in sick bay. And the reason why he's sick is because his brother screwed him over. Yes, with some stupid prank, of all things. Yeah, so we have some weird parallels going on about how brothers cause harm, but then brothers forgive each other and everything like that. And so this goes back and forth, and Soong reveals that he has an emotion ship for Data and says, I'm totally going to give this to you, but I need to lay down. And so once Soong gets up from his nap, he installs the emotion ship, but then we realize, oh, there's the old switcheroo that Lore loves to do, where he puts on Data's uh, uniform and takes the, the emotion ship and Soong says, hey, that motion ship wasn't made for you. And Lore's like, screw you, old man, peace out. And um, <laughs> then actually hurdles him across his, his lab and the Enterprise crew breaks through the barrier, gets down there, wakes up Data. Data goes to Soong. Soong says some very pleasant things and then dies. Then Data's left without the ability to grieve because he doesn't have any emotions. He doesn't have his emotion ship. And thus the ends the ending of the episode. So one place where I think maybe we can start is the theme of this episode. It's at the very end. Dr. Crusher says it out loud to Data, brothers forgive. Mm -hmm. Now, in a lot of situations, yeah, you know what? When you're family, you do forgive a lot of things because we're human beings. We do horrible things to each other and we tend to hurt the people we love the most the worst. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily on purpose, but it happens. But <laughs> we know that Laura is a pretty horrible android. Of course, this is a very perfect TNG episode in that it's not going to make a judgment based on whether or not we think Data should forgive. It just brings up the idea and gets him thinking. But I don't know, the nature of forgiveness, there's a lot there. I mean... Maybe that's something that we can explore because Lore actually, okay, this is going to come out of left field, but maybe it'll make sense once I say it. This whole thing with Lore and this episode in general reminded me of a really good Bojack Horseman quote. <laughs> of all things, yes. <laughs> Hang with me here for just a second, folks. The character of Todd, voiced by Aaron Paul, he says to Bojack, you can't keep doing shitty things and then feel bad about yourself and that makes it okay. You need to be better. So... When people do horrible things and they don't mean to, that's one thing. But when they keep doing horrible things and expect people to keep forgiving them because that's just who they are, I think mm -hmm. that's a different thing. And I think that describes lore. What do you make of all that? I think that's pretty accurate where I love that, where you can't keep doing horrible things and expect people to, to forgive you and love you and everything like that. Because I feel like so many people use that as a license where they're, they say like, oh, well, I know I'm a jerk. I'm self-aware, and so that gives me license to be a jerk. No, it doesn't. Right. Just because you're comfortable with calling yourself a jerk does not mean I should accept you as a horrible human being. The onus is on you, not me. Yeah, and the other thing is, is if you want to go on being a jerk, that's fine, but you know what? I'm out. Right, right. Boundaries. I have an idea that just popped into my head. What you got? We're about to get a little personal here. Let's get personal. Unpunch it. Longtime listeners might have known that I have, I've given a few stories about this before, and it, it's something that weighs very heavy on my heart. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go into massive detail, but it's something that really does weigh me down. And I have two half siblings where we share the same father. And Shar, you know this, but yes. the audience might not. Like um, we share the same father, but have different mothers, and we're 20 years apart in age. So we weren't raised together. We weren't raised even in the same state or around the same time. 
very different in age, obviously. Yeah. And I have a full-blooded sister who I'm very close with. I talk to her every day. And I have no relationship with my half-siblings. When I was younger, I had a relationship with them. I, I saw them once a year or we would travel to where they live. They live like seven, eight hours away. So it was very hard to see them sometimes. And um, so basically when my dad's relationship with them was strong or stronger than what it used to be, then I had a good relationship with them. Uh -huh. But then, you know, like as time goes on, things happen and my dad's relationship just started hurting more and more and more with my half-siblings. And so my relationship with my half-siblings started hurting because I cannot speak for them and I'm not going to. And so anyone who interprets this, please try to take this with a grain of salt. I'm not speaking for them. This is my interpretation of certain events. I feel like because I am the result of a second marriage and I am the result of a second family and I'm the one who my father has spent more time with than my half-siblings, I feel like there is a certain resentment for that second life, that second successful life, quote unquote, that my dad has had post-divorce and post-leaving the area. And because of that, it's been very hard to maintain a connection. And we've tried from time to time over the past couple, uh, over the past couple decades, we've <laughs> tried to maintain a relationship via text or via email or phone calls, and it just doesn't work. There's always that underlying awkwardness of right. we have a connection, we have a blood connection, a strong blood connection, but we're separated by decades and divorce and pain and suffering and just emotional turmoil and trauma. And so it's very hard to put that together. And when I was watching this episode last night, I started thinking about that where their brothers, because they have the same father, but yet they're separated by time, they're separated by a father who quote-unquote, gave up on one generation and then focused his attention on another generation. And that's all of a sudden is the golden boy. Like, he's the favorite. He's the one who he spent the most time with and he considers a success. And then you have this right. other generation who's resentful. I felt like it echoed certain things in my own life. And I know I'm talking for a long time and I'm going to get to the point. It's good stuff, though. It hurts. And so I feel what Data is going through and I understand and appreciate what Lore is going through. And I would love to see a version of this where more of that is focused on, more on the brothers talking and hashing things out and fighting and arguing, where I would love to see Soong die towards the beginning of the episode. And mm. Lore and Data are trapped in a room, whether it's literally or figuratively, or they choose to hash things out, and they just go back and forth about how Lore thinks that Soong abandoned him and Data says, that has nothing to do with me. So why are you projecting that onto me? I wasn't even built yet. I wasn't a part of that decision. And obviously, Lord doesn't say this outright, but he, he says, he's like, yes, but you are the representation of everything that he gave you and that he didn't give to me. And all of this conversation, I kind of take it from a theater kind of background where all of this conversation happens over Soong's dead body in the room. Oh, man. That is incredibly theatrical right there. But if they're trapped, yeah. maybe they have to. Maybe that's what's going on where, screw this secondary storyline. Oh, with the kids? Maybe we can replace it with something else. Maybe you can chime in on that. But maybe Data does the whole thing that he normally does with the Enterprise. He hijacks it and then goes. And then he goes into like a secure bunker, a secure place. And that's why no one's been able to find Soong is because he's completely off the grid. 
and everything is just like biometrically sealed so he can work in peace and work in secret. And then when he dies, there's no way to get it out because only a living Soong can open the doors or something like that. And so the entire perspective of the episode is not from the Enterprise and Data, but only Data. And they think that, that maybe they'll be trapped in here for the rest of their lives because they are immortal. And so time means nothing to them. Right. Don't need food. Don't need water. Exactly. And so Data's just like, no, the Enterprise will find a way to get in. And Lore's like, they're going to have to give up sometime. They don't live forever like you do or something like that. And then finally they break through. Maybe that's a way we can pitch the episode. What do you think? Do you want to do something different? I talked for a long time. This is great. This gives me a lot of ideas and there's good potential here. And I love the theatric idea, especially when this is such a Brent Spiner showcase. He's mm-hmm. playing Data. He's playing Lore and Dr. Soong all in one episode, which is amazing. And he does an incredibly good job. So I think that just only enhances his talent. So I love the idea of these brothers maybe having to have a little one-on-one therapy and hashing it out. And maybe soon gets it started trying to get them to get along, but then he dies Mm -hmm. and then it's up to them and they're trapped now, realize that. And so are they just going to be bitter and angry at each other for all eternity in the same room? Are they just is that really how things are going to be? Or is there a way they can meet in the middle? Can they set aside some differences? That would be a really cool thing to talk out. Now, you mentioned the kid subplot. I do think that's the weakest part of this episode. I know why it's there. It's there for a great bookend to parallel what's happening with Data and Lore. But it is a reminder yet again that Children on the Enterprise is kind of a stupid idea. <laughs> and these, th- at least one of these kids is a complete a-hole. Pranking his brother almost to death. Yeah, that's pretty intense. That seemed a little over the line. I'm like, I know accidents happen, but maybe I would have believed it a little more if maybe it was the little brother pranking the bigger brother who didn't know quite any better. But no, it's the older brother beating up his little brother. (laughs) I'm like, you jerk. It's no wonder he doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely do feel like that's the weakest part. And if there's some way we can bookend the show in a different way... With better storytelling, I'm all for that. But at the same time, you know what? I'm not opposed to just cutting it out either. I just feel like it's the simpler way to do it where maybe we can just have a conversation with Data and Jordy at the beginning where maybe something happens where he's exploring his creative side. Maybe he makes a portrait of somebody or of a family together or something like that. And it's just like he's always longed to have that. Like we focus so much on his humanity and his emotions and even his dating life at certain times but the only time we really focus on family is when he creates lull maybe he's creating a a painting in the abstract where it's his vision of family like this is something that he maybe kept thinking about more and more after his experience with lull where it's just like okay i created a daughter and i still long for father figure or I still long for my brother lore or I have this creative family on the ship but I really I envy what all of you were given biologically or or something to that effect yeah ooh, yeah like humans are automatically put into a family like it or not maybe this starts out with just yeah a conversation between Jordy and Data maybe Jordy just recently heard from a sibling or one of his parents yada yada just quick hello And yeah, it brings up all these feelings, for lack of a better term, that desire. Mm -hmm. 
here's a thought. Here's an idea. Instead of, I mean, I know data commandeering the enterprise is full of action and mystery and, oh my God, what is going on? What if he just gets that homing signal from Dr. Soong with the directions to get there? There's no sick kid. He goes off on his own, leaves the enterprise to go see Dr. Soong because the message says he's dying. Mm. And so data goes off to investigate. You know, everybody's a little suspicious. Isn't Dr. Soong dead? Well, we got to go off and find out. So the Enterprise maybe is close by, but when they lose connection with Data, maybe that's when they get really suspicious, like, oh, no, something's happened, and they go after him when Data and Laura and Soon get trapped. I always kind of wondered why the writers didn't do that, where Soon wouldn't program him to just, like, take a shuttle or do something way less dramatic. Right. It seems a little extreme. But at the same time, I thought that sequence was really cool. (laughs) Well, I mean, of course, it plays out beautifully as an episode of television. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. It's mysterious. What is going on? But logically, if Soong had not died, he would have been court-martialed for serious offenses against the Enterprise and its crew. (laughs) I like what you're saying, and I think it makes more sense. But from a television perspective, I think this... It's needed for a little drama because what if this might add a little bit of a ticking clock where, okay, so say that Data does take over the, the week. We don't have the, the brother is sick based storyline like like you said. Okay. But like what if Data does take over the Enterprise, locks everybody out and gets to the planet, gets down there, soon dies, they get trapped. And then that's part of the drama. That is kind of the ticking clock where Data and Lore may have eternity to hash it out in this room because they're immortal but data needs to find a way out because the enterprise crew is stuck in orbit and they are not immortal and they're going to run out of resources they may not make it out they might die on the ship he doesn't know that's good so then that puts it on the enterprise crew to pack their way out like they do to get on Mm -hmm. the planet and eventually rescue data I think, yeah, I think like the entire time, maybe we don't see the Enterprise crew freaking out or trying to regain control, but Data in his own way is freaking out saying, I need to get back to them. I need to save them because I'm the, I'm the reason why they're in this mess. But it turns out that at the end of the episode, the Enterprise is the one who does the saving. Okay, that's cool. That works. I had another thought that I wanted to run by you. Do it. Because I like the idea of this being very theatrical and taking place in one room. And that's pretty much the, it's kind of, it makes me think of a Family Guy episode where Brian and Stewie are trapped in a bank vault. And that's the entire episode. It's just the two of them trapped in a bank vault talking back and forth. A lot of people hated it. I loved it. And so that's probably where I'm getting my influences from. But in this version, what if after Soon dies and we establish that they're going off back and forth, Laura's doing the yelling and Data, of, of course, is calm and collected. What if part of the conversation steers to where Lore is just so frustrated with Data and tells him so, like, you're so frustrating. I need you to understand where I'm coming from. And Data says, fundamentally, I won't be able to. And then that's when Laura says, what if I installed your emotion chip? Ooh. Then you can feel the pain that I feel. Yeah, something akin to that. Absolutely. And so Lore installs Data's emotion ship just so he can fight with him better. I like it. Then it's supercharged. And then all of a sudden we have this emotional Data who doesn't understand what to do with these feelings. And so while he's trying to siphon through all of them and categorize them and file them, 
he's a mess. He's just wrecked. Totally. We barely even recognize him. So do you think that leads to a little bit of empathy toward Lore? Just for one thing, being overwhelmed by emotions and what all of that means. But then also maybe he can at least relate a little bit to why Lore feels his resentment toward Data. I think that's what all great sci-fi does and great storytelling does is that you don't necessarily have to agree with your antagonist, but if you can empathize with them and understand where they come from, I think that's good writing. And so I think we should definitely put that in. Yeah. All right. So the resolution then, is Laura a better person after this? I mean, I think Data learns a lot from it, mm-hmm. but what about Lore? I think Lore has to main- stay mis- mischievous. Yeah, because it's the nature of his character. Because we have to end on the same note in order to set up Descent, part one and two. And so he has to leave on bad terms and take the emotion ship with him. Yeah. Okay, so in essence, then, he has to do some sort of shitty thing to Data. Yeah. So not only is he going to rob him of the emotion ship, which is a lousy thing to do because it was created just for Data, but on top of that, He's got a wrong data again, somehow. Maybe this is how we could end it, where Lore and Data do come to an understanding, or at least Data they thinks. They think that, yeah, yeah. And then right when Data turns his back, Lore disables him, somehow knocks him out using whatever is available to him. And then Data, it goes black, Data opens his eyes and he sees Riker. And he's just like, the emotions are gone. And Riker's like, what are you talking about? Lore's gone, and he took my emotion ship with him. That's what happens. We present that to the audience. We're on the Enterprise again. He's talking with LaForge again, and we kind of have that breakdown where LaForge is like, what do you think? What do you feel? Did Lore change? And he's like, well, I don't feel anything. And uh, <laughs> he's like, he's like, do I understand a little bit more about Lore? Yes. Do I empathize with him? Yes. But he stole something from me and I don't know how I would categorize this but I think you guys might call it resentment or something like that you're like maybe it ends on a little bit of a sour note where (laughs) now there's mutual resentment yes yes something like that so I don't know does that mean Lore's plan backfired a little bit or did it succeed depending on how you look at it right how do you look at I think that's a good question to leave out in the open and let the audience decide and debate yeah, because did Data become more like Lore at the end of this episode, even though he sans emotions? Yeah, yeah. And what does that mean for Data? What does that mean for Lore and their future relationship? Yeah, I think it poses a great question. It's good and complicated, just like families are. Exactly. It leaves things even more complicated than when they started, because it's no longer just he has to deal with Soong's death in his own way. He has to deal with the knowledge that Lore stole something from him, and it's even more personal. This theft is even more personal because he experienced it. Because in the original version, he never had the emotion ship to begin with. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering, we have not installed the bookend aspect of the story with the boys. Do we want to just cut it out or for extra, I don't know, for that parallel, like to keep it intact, do we want to have something happen between two brothers where hey, they forgave each other. Maybe you can eventually forgive Lore. Do we want to keep that or no? Like, 
I don't at all. I really don't. You I don't. don't. I, I want it don't. to be completely ambiguous. I want the audience to come to their own conclusions. I don't want it to be spoon-fed. Just have LaForge and his family connection be the bookends. Like at the beginning, that's what starts the conversation. And LaForge and Data debrief to end the conversation and pose the questions. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to bring it up one more time because the way stories were written in this time really <laughs> had this sort of thing going on. You had to have that little subplot always. It's true. So the thing is, we don't have to stick to it in 2018. If this were being written in 1990, you know the notes on the script would say, hey. Where's the B-plot? Yeah. Yep. We're totally cool with that now because a lot of shows do that. And a lot of shows do this one-on-one thing where they're trapped in the room. Like you were talking about the Family Guy episode. I'm also thinking of the Fly episode on Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Where Jesse and Walt are trapped together. And you know what's interesting? I cannot wait for our listener feedback on this one because people tend to either really like these kind of episodes or they just hate them with a dreaded passion. So I'm wondering, to our listeners, write in. You guys have been really awesome giving us a lot of feedback lately, by the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We're really enjoying your input. We love your thoughts. Please keep it coming. Let us know what you think of this idea. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Just a reminder, we're working with an episode that didn't need to be punched up. So what do you think about that idea in general? Do you want us to do it again? Absolutely. Yeah, go to uh, the nerdparty.com slash contacts, like punch it from the drop down menu. That'll send us an email or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerdparty on Twitter at join nerdparty. You can find me personally on Twitter at the insane Robin. And you can find me at oh the profanity. Now, just as a one last minute reminder, as we talked about at the top of the show, please go to GoFundMe.com slash The Nerd Party. Again, that's GoFundMe.com slash The Nerd Party. Any way that you can help out, and we need it, any way you can help out is much appreciated. Now, next week, we don't know what we're going to do, but I'm leaning towards something of another what-if scenario because everybody who has been contacting us recently has been saying they are loving our what-if stories. It's true. We have gotten more feedback on our what ifs than we have on anything else for a long time. So that tells us that you're digging it. And you know what? So are we. We are having a lot of fun with it. So whatever we talk about next week, whether it's a what if or something else, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.